Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Debbie Levitt. Debbie is the CXO of Delta CX. Since the mid-1990s, she's been a customer experience and user experience consultant focused on strategy, research, training, and human-centered design. She's a change agent and business design consultant focused on helping companies transform towards customer centricity while using principles of agile and lean. Clients gave her the nickname Mary Poppins because she flies in, improves everything she can, sings a few songs, and flies away to her next adventure. Thanks so much for being here today, Debbie. Hey, thanks a lot, Diane. One of my favorite movies, Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> Just love her. So <laughs> explain to the listeners, if you would, what is customer centricity? Yeah, customer centricity is the concept or idea that we are going to put our users, our customers, our partners, everybody who's in our ecosystem, we're really going to put them at the center of our decisions. And it's something worth talking about because I think at many companies right now, that's not happening. We're saying the right things. We're saying empathy and honesty and integrity and, oh, we care about the customers. But then when we take a look at the real strategies, decisions, actions, and other things, uh, we can tell that, that the customers were possibly just pawns we push around a chessboard so that the business can achieve its goals. And we as customers can also tell. I'm sure every day there is something that you want to cancel, fight, uh, throw out the window, downgrade. We know this stuff sucks. We're not being put in, in the center. Boy, no kidding. As you were talking, I was thinking about a recent experience I had. So, um, but but talk about like how can we tell when a custo- when a company isn't customer centric yeah th- to me you can definitely tell this because you're trying to do something in the system and usually there are interruptions. Uh, um, I like to say that some of the key things you can look for are, for are what I call my four horsemen of bad CX, who are <laughs> frustration, confusion, disappointment, and distraction. And when we as users or customers are feeling those, we start to feel like maybe this isn't for us. Maybe we don't belong here. Maybe this company doesn't really want our business. Who did they make this for? And we they start to chip away at that trust and that relationship. So I would say the easiest way to look is to look for frustration, confusion, mm. disappointment, and distraction. Yeah, boy. Uh, you can almost feel that. 
You know? For sure. <laughs> it's sadly universal. It's sadly. You're, you're, you are so right. So, okay. How does or how can a company um, safeguard against that? Like what, how, what should they be doing or thinking so that they're sure that they're creating their processes and systems so that the customer really is in the center? The, the first thing that I tend to advise companies is to think about being value-led. There's a lot of talk right now about, are we sales-led? Are we engineering-led? Are we product-led? And we're just going to make products, push more products, push more features. And I say, how about we try being value-led? And I don't mean our company values. I mean, how much value can we deliver to the customer, user, partner, whoever's in our mm -hmm. ecosystem with every release, if it's digital or software? What about every service or change to a service? Are we sure we are creating value? I think a lot of teams hope they're creating value. Mm -hmm. They hope the customers like it. Maybe we'll survey them next month. Maybe we'll wait for customer support to tell us if the phones and emails are on fire. Um, but I think that's very slow and reactive. And we're working too much on our guesses or hunches or what we think the customers will like. So, um, yeah, those are, those are some of my thoughts there. Yeah. I, I think that that's so great. It's, um, it's sort of, keeping your fingers crossed, it's reactive. It's keeping your fingers crossed and hoping everything goes well and then reacting when things don't instead of looking at it ahead of time. But I am curious mm -hmm. um, because I think so many businesses are product-focused or sales-focused, how do they, you know, is there a process they go through? Like, how do they... Um, ensure that they're value led, you know, that, that that's the direction that they're going in. Yeah, there are definitely ways that we can know if what we are considering or working on or planning on delivering to our target audiences is a good match to them. So, uh, and really it comes down to doing the right types of research. I think a lot of companies get focused on research as what's the fastest, cheapest thing we can do? Okay, send out a survey. <laughs> but a survey doesn't always tell us, is this going to be right for people? Does this match their needs or tasks or behaviors or the way they perceive things? And so that's kind of where human-centered design comes in. And, and HCD isn't new. It's even in ISO standards. Every company claiming to be ISO 9000 or 9001 certified has kind of promised that they're going to use some form of human-centered design and and focus on customers. Uh, but yet, but alas, <laughs> as my grandfather would have said. Um, so human-centered design reminds us that, you know, it's just kind of a variation of the scientific method that we all learned in school, which is first we need to research and observe. 
Who's in our ecosystem? What are, are their tasks? How do they do this now? What's working for them? What could be improved? Where are their opportunities? Where aren't their opportunities? So we can even start to know in this early research, um, what might be the right direction for us to go? What are the problems we could consider solving, at least from the users and customers perspective? Later on, once we have concepts or designs or prototypes, of course, if we're in digital or uh, service design prototypes, then we can use our human-centered design to be testing these on our target audiences before they're released to the public, before engineering is writing code. And in that testing, often called usability testing, uh, we don't like to call it user testing because we're not testing the user. We're <laughs> testing the concept or the design. But in that usability testing, we're really checking not do they like it? Will they eventually stumble through this thing? It's really does this really work for people? Is this five stars out of five? Does it solve the problem we originally set out to solve? Mm. And these are all things that we can know way earlier than we do now before things go out to the public mm. and they're embarrassing or strange or broken or need to be fixed later or causing a higher call volume than normal. Please hold. <laughs> That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are all bad. You know, these are all bad internally and externally. They're wastes of time, wastes of money. There's nothing agile or lean about wasting time and money, burning customers to trust, uh, sacrificing the morale of the people who work for you. It, there's so little that seems to be going well right now in our jobs and as customers. That it's, it's just ripe for reinvention. It truly is. And will you talk some about how it impacts morale, how it's impacting internally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think about a company that I worked with who ran a sort of internal NPS. And the, the question to the internal employees was, would you recommend that a friend work here? And they gave them kind of an NPS scale. And uh, I think their UX team gave the lowest score, but there were definitely some very low scores in there. And this was even at a company where if you recommended someone and they hired them, they gave you 3,000 units of money, let's just say. And, uh, you know, $3,000, euros, pounds, whatever it was, don't want to give it away. But obviously, that's a significant amount of money. And people sure. still didn't want to recommend that their friends work there. Wow. And at that point, we have to we have to stop sitting around in meetings and going, uh, but we're good enough, right? Or, um, you know, whatever it is, it's probably not not good enough. Or yeah, they're replaceable. If they're not happy, they're they'll leave. We'll find somebody else. And and so we've got problems there as well. We know that the morale isn't great because we lose people. People are unhappy. We say they're not engaged. We make up crappy gaslighting terms like quiet quitting, which really just means <laughs> I don't want to work for you nights and weekends for free, um, which nobody should have to. But Nobody wants to go the extra mile. And why should we? The companies aren't loyal to us. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to feel rewarded in work when, for example, some leader zooms in and says, 
uh, hey, the company's not seeing enough conversions. Do whatever you have to do to make more conversions. And then we start doing some pretty questionable stuff. Yeah. And, and so, it, so there's so many components to this. And the key thing that I ask companies to reassess or look at or have the tough conversations about is, are you upholding your own company values? And hmm. are your company values meaningful or are they fluffy, wacky things like I'm sometimes seeing from, from some companies? So do you have meaningful values and are your workers, your decisions, your strategies, upholding them or working against them. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. And I think about some of these companies and some larger companies where when you go to their annual report or their website and it talks about what they value and they will go on and on about how they value their customers and you know for mm. a fact that oh, they you know. don't. Yeah. Right. It's just yes. there's no trust a- at all. And they're not fooling anybody. No. They can hold all the meetings they like and pat each other on the back and they can make all of the PowerPoints they want with bars and circles and pies. And meanwhile, customers know you suck. Yeah. What are you doing about it? Oh my gosh, I know they need a wake up call. That that is for sure. So, um who in the company is responsible for customer centricity, do you think? I like to say who isn't. Ah. Um while we have while there are domains that do their specialized work, engineers do their engineering work, product people do product management or product ownership, CX and UX are doing their work. While everybody has their own domains and I want to see them have autonomy in their domains, customer centricity is ultimately part of everybody's job because it's part of your domain. If the engineers aren't caring about the outcomes for the end users of stuff, then we're broken. If marketing isn't thinking about the end user or they're doing something a little bit slippery, um, then then we're broken over there. If stuff is coming down from executives and leaders that they want us to chase bad KPIs and vanity metrics and and the, and it's okay internally to do unethical things, you know, like make it hard for people to cancel because ooh, mm. that'll increase loyalty. You know, <laughs> it's every customer centricity can be part of everybody's um, job and work, even if it's not in your title. And even if there are, even if it is in other people's titles, like, hi, I'm, I, I have CX or UX in my title, but to me, it's still for everybody. Everybody has to invest in it, it for, from their perspective for whatever their domain is. And then it just makes it so much easier because everyone is focusing on it. Yeah. And, and hypothetically, I'd love to see accountability come back. I would like to be able to say, Hey, marketing ran this kind of unethical campaign or marketing added something to our website that is conf- purposefully confusing people just so they can get more mailing list subscribers or something like that. Hey, I- I'd like to hold somebody accountable uh, that I don't think that's being done right now. And I'm not just pointing at marketing. This happens in every. Every domain. Mm-hmm. But I think if we had more accountability, if you could be in trouble for 
uh, running against company values, causing smaller, large failures, uh, causing smaller, large losses, poor outcomes. Um, it would be great if people were held accountable. That doesn't mean they're part of the building immediately, but there are many ways we can hold people and teams accountable, and we don't. Oh, my gosh. We do the opposite. Frankly, yes. awarded for the things that they do that are unethical and oh, for sure on the on the uh, yeah, I I am totally with you. Uh, you are <laughs> thank you. I swear to God, uh, I talk about <laughs> this a lot. Yeah, be, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes. now, having said that, um, yeah, I oftentimes feel like. The beauty of small business is that uh, we get to learn what not to do from bigger businesses and can even give ourselves an edge by behaving in ways that are true to our values and, and really do put the customer first. So I think that that's easier said than done, if I can jump jail? in. Oh, sure. Yeah, because I think that um, while I agree with you, I think we don't always do that. I think a lot of times people are inspired by, you know, dare I be judgmental and say the wrong things. Um, you, sometimes mm. people use poor decisions they see big companies making as precedent or a reason for it to be okay for them to suck. Like, well, you know, I went to Amazon and they did this kind of dubious thing when I was shopping. So, you know, we're an e-commerce company. We could do that too. Or Facebook says, fail fast, move fast, break things, give your customers broken crap. You know, cool. <laughs> Facebook says it and does it. You know, let's do that too. It's cool to fail. And I think we've accidentally taken some leads from um, not the most stellar role models, but yet everybody wants to hang Steve Jobs on their wall and quote him and and take a look at how Apple, you know, oh, they're so customer centric and they really release things that work so well for their customers. And then we don't do anything Steve Jobs did. Now, again, you know, he he certainly hid and miss as well. And uh, I heard not always the nicest guy, but there are many things that Apple has done right. And yet we don't try to model those. Uh, My model for what I think is some of the best customer and user experiences on the planet, and feel free to laugh at me, listeners out there, is Walt Disney World Florida. Anybody with me on that? Maybe. But why aren't we looking at that as a model of innovation, experimentation, taking chances, creating immersive, positive experiences for people, really wanting to make customers so happy and satisfied that they want to come back. They want to be loyal. They want to tell friends. We didn't have to trick them or bully them into it. So I think that small businesses can be a little faster and more nimble, but I think we're often looking at not the best role models. Well, right. It's a choice. We we have to make the choice that we're going to to follow the right road mm-hmm. and and really believe and understand that that's where sustainability comes from. Because big companies, unfortunately, can afford to behave this way. Small companies right. can't. 
And you. It, meanwhile, we say that they can afford to to do this, but what are we watching right now? Uh, what what are we up to as of when we're recording this? Fifteen months of layoffs, and so something isn't right. And to me, it's more than just the yeah. economy yeah. or or something like that. The quality has just been getting lower and lower, sure. and sometimes companies are even purposefully hiring people. And again, not everybody, so nobody should take this personally. But I'm seeing companies hiring. Uh, more and more order takers. And yes, people, companies used to want the smartest people in the room, the strategists, the critical thinkers. And I'm watching the big companies Mm, reject mm -hmm. those people and lay those people off and say, hey, can we get someone with two or three years experience who's just going to do what we tell them to do? Yeah. 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 Boy. Okay. Yeah, that's the bad news, everybody. It really <laughs> is. But so, <laughs> unfortunately, it's the reality that we're living in. And you, you can't yes. fix it if if you don't acknowledge it. So, Thank you, um, yes. but I am curious if someone's listening and they're thinking, boy, you know, I think we're customer centric, but I sure would like to know how can they assess how customer centric they are? There are so many ways, but in the interest of time, one of the key ones that I like to talk about are, what are your metrics? What are you measuring? Very often, companies are measuring leading and lagging metrics that relate to what we see as business success. Are we getting leads, conversions, sales, uh, loyalty? Uh, are we selling more stuff? Whatever the case may be. But nowhere in there is how's this going for our customer? Maybe once in a while we send out a survey or we use an NPS, which I don't totally love, but do we have metrics that let us know if customers or users or or potential customers are having success in our ecosystem super early? Um, not waiting until we mm. check for a repeat purchase. Is there something we can measure based on the type of business we are, product, service, something else, where we can come up with something measurable or multiple measurable, measurable things that will tell us this works for people. This is a good experience for people. They're having success here. If it's something that's task-based, as many things are, is the task easy, efficient, Can they get it right the first time? Are they getting error messages? Are they getting mountains of error messages? How much are they contacting customer support? Uh, There's things that we can measure that tell us if people are having success in our system, possibly even before the sale is made. So take a look at your metrics. Are you measuring anything that from a customer or user's point of view means success to them? That's great. Yeah. It's funny, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, I I think some people are afraid to ask their customers and their clients about their experience, uh, about how things are going. And so they don't, and they do wait for that next order uh, when oftentimes it's too late. We are often, often too late. And uh, even the NPS is slow and reactive. Companies usually send me NPS after I've canceled. And then it's like, oh, 
Uh, oh, are you pretending to care? Can I give you hashtag empathy sign here? Um, I, I think we are very reactive about checking in on on these people and and even understanding what's important to them. Do we really understand what's important to them? We are so focused on what we as a business want, these sales, this activity, uh, but what about the the users? And and so I think we have to bring in more ways to take a look at what their experiences are. And we can't be afraid of the answers. I've heard about and dealt with some companies where when low ratings came in or poor survey scores or other things, um, somebody in leadership said, well, they're just complainers huh. or they wouldn't say that to our faces. You know, they're just enjoying the anonymity of the internet. If you hear yourself making excuses or deciding that anybody who doesn't like you is some sort of loser or complainer, you suck. Uh, time for you to take a look. Sorry for the bad news here. Um, but time for you to take a look at where you can improve because it's extremely unlikely that Everybody who has a negative complaint about you is magically all a manipulative, wacko narcissist that just wanted to ruin your day, but doesn't really mean any of these comments at all. Thanks for putting a fine point on that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's what I do. I know. I know. It's so great. Oh, my Thanks. gosh. All right. And so what do you say to the person who says, okay, so if we're being customer centric, are we... Choosing what the customer needs over what the business needs. Yeah, that's a fun one that I get sometimes. And I, I say, so you mean if you survey your customers and they all want cotton candy and you're not a cotton candy business, you're just going to stop producing whatever you're producing? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense. So no, under no circumstances am I telling companies that they have to be so customer centric that if a customer or, or group of customers seem to want or need or request something that is essentially unreasonable or non-viable or doesn't really match your business model, you don't have to go there. But at the same time, what if you did? You know, if, if it is adjacent or a new market you could move into, maybe that's worth exploring. But no, mm. ultimately, we have to balance the business goals with the user needs. But I find that the emphasis is so heavily on the business goals with users being such an incredible afterthought that I still mm -hmm. like to say customer centricity. We still have to put them uh, in the middle and be thinking about who they are what their tasks are and what they need. Because to me, at least, if you can win customers, make them happy and get that loyalty, that's probably most of your business goals achieved. Then right? you would hypothetically get that you would naturally and hypothetically get that great word of mouth, the loyal returning customer, the customer who needs more. Um, and instead we think, oh my gosh, we need more active users. How can we make people more active? And, and the better question is, if you want more active users, how do you create a better product or service or system mm -hmm. that I naturally want to come to? Yeah, I'm so glad I asked that question. I, that is so important. I hope people heard it and I hope they listen to it again because that is exactly one of the things that I think is really missing. And it's what you were even saying at the beginning that we're so focused on sales and um, number, yeah. you know, th th that our focus is in the wrong place 
we could get those things if we were focusing on taking care of our customers. Yeah, I think a lot of companies right now, especially when they're doing fake agile and fake lean, they're just so focused on deadlines. Did we get stuff out? We might have to fix it later because yeah. we love to fail fast. And and yes, I'm being a little sarcastic there, but we're so focused on deadlines. And I feel like we've forgotten about quality. And the wild thing is, as you were saying earlier, as a customer or user, it's so easy for you to think of a mountain of garbage that you have to deal with nearly every day. But yet so many people then go into their jobs and are part of teams and projects creating that garbage. We don't even, I mean, okay, you may not be your own customer, that's fine. But at least at these bigger companies, I see so often I go, well, would, do you like when the company does this to you? And people go, no, I hate that. I'll, I'll exit out. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll close it. Okay. Why are we doing it to other people? Right. <laughs> uh, there's no good answer there. And, and so we've even, so forget about hashtag empathy. We don't even have sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> so very recently, I actually had someone say to me, yeah, I know I'm a customer too. <laughs> Oh boy. I know. I thought, wow, that's a new one on me. I've never heard someone like admit that this experience is terrible and they know firsthand because they're also a customer. So will you talk to the listeners about your book, where they can get it, how they can find you, all that great stuff? Yeah, sure. Thank you for asking. Uh, the, the book is called Customers Know You Suck. And it's basically a sort of how-to manual for customer centricity, looking at how we got to some of the negativity, if not carnage, that we're experiencing now and, and how we can do better. Um, it is available just about everywhere. So you can certainly find it on Amazon. Um, you can find it on my deltacx.media website. That will lead you everywhere. Um, the audiobook is on Audible, narrated by me. If you can stand this voice for 16 and a half hours. I also did put the audiobook up for free on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash at sign CX dash CC for customer experience, customer centricity. Um, and I hope people will give it a read in whatever format that, or listen in whatever format they might choose. Awesome. That is so great. Well, Debbie, I got to tell you, I have so enjoyed this conversation and I appreciate your uh, frankness and telling Thank it you. like it is. I think more people need to be doing that. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. Right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, listeners. Yes, exactly. Listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.